A vague disclaimer is no one's friend. This podcast will look at episodes in relation to Buffy and Angel as a whole, and therefore contains spoilers for the entirety of both series. If you haven't seen all of Buffy the Vampire Slayer and Angel the series, go and watch them before you listen to this. Remember, you've been warned. The hardest thing in this world is to live in it. That's why there's us, champions. We live as though the world were as it should be, to show it what it can be. The Earth is definitely doomed. It's Tuesday, so it must be time to return to the Hellmouth. We're going through the Buffyverse episode by episode, and I'll look back at Joss Whedon's iconic shows. I'm MC, and I'm here with... This is Andy. This is David. And I'm Logan. This week, we are talking about Bad Girls, which is episode 14 of season three. It was written by Doug Petrie and directed by Michael Lang and originally aired February 9th, 1999. We start out this episode with the girls fighting and Buff and Faith trying to make herself feel better about what she did with Xander by (laughs) dragging Buffy into it. (laughs) Is that what she's doing? I was kind of like... She seems much more interested in what happened with Xander than I would have thought she would be. Because, <laughs> you know, the way it's played in in uh, the Zeppo, it's just like, yeah, we did it. Bye. And now she's like really like bugging Buffy about it. I feel like it's she's either trying to bond with Buffy or she's trying to make herself feel better by being like, oh, Buffy hit that too. I think it's probably the latter. What I like about this scene is that they're starting the episode off with a very stark difference with something as simple as their fighting styles between the two slayers. We get a constant narrative throughout this episode of, especially with the three words, one word, three times line of what, how cautious a slayer needs to be, but you see how reckless faith is and it. (laughs) So despite it starting out a pretty standard Buffy episode way, I like what they tried to do with it. I have a question. Did they repurpose those tunics for the knights that say key later on in the seventh? Possible. It was the fifth <laughs> season. season. It's possible the season. they. Do... I was like, I just think like those are the same tunics. It looked like for the knights that say key. <laughs> I know it's the knights of Byzantium, but <laughs> I I like yours. Yeah, I, I like knights who say key. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that someone else came up with that. Like a that, long is, time ago. that is that is that is brilliant even... actually. Take credit. Yeah. <laughs> Take that credit. I, I, someone on the internet said it, and I think even the producers and stuff were like, that's amazing. So I, I cannot <laughs> take... I've never heard of it. I think it's great. Maybe it was television without pity. That sounds like something they would do. I miss television. I do, too. I miss They're television. Really, they were pity. really great. And then I think the producers or stuff were like, that's freaking brilliant. Mm-hmm. So a lot of times they will call them the Knights of Safety. So it was not my personal coolness and wit that came up with it, but I still think it's the most hilarious. You're so honest. Well, someone would call me out on it if I was not honest, I promise you. But it's a fighty Uh, fight, and we see that Faith doesn't know how to follow Sesame Street, let alone... I don't know that it's she doesn't know. I think she just doesn't care. Well, yeah. And there will be a lot of Faith just not caring in this episode, I will disagree with it. Yeah, I think same. there's a lot we'll of faith this. caring too much. A lot, yeah. And trying to mask that through. Oh, there will come a point where she cares a lot, but at this point she's just like... She's reckless. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like, I don't think it's that she doesn't care. It's that she is reckless and not as well trained as Buffy. So. But then we move into a scene of trick with the mayor. 
I really love the establishment, the furthering of their relationship in this episode. I think they work really well together as actors, and it's so enjoyable. I love the three comics that they picked out that totally yes. encapsulates who each of these guys are. Yeah, you can tell just from those three comics, not comics, cartoon strips. Yeah, yeah. it's comics, yeah. Because it's not like they're picking Batman, Captain America. No, but comics, they're, they're comic strips. But they're, they're comic, comic strips. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Their Sunday paper. Comic. I mean, like, the family circus is the most wholesome thing that is secretly evil. Yeah. So it, like, perfectly yeah. describes the mayor. I'm sorry, what? The family circus is, is you know, secretly evil. Yes. Oh, yeah. You care to share with myself and our <laughs> listeners? <laughs> uh, Google family circus Lovecraft and you'll find all kinds of interesting yeah. stuff. It's a little too twee for me. There's, like, dark stuff going on. Yeah. yeah if you think about some of the stuff it, it's like wait a minute that something's wrong here oh yeah definitely <laughs> is that why my grandmother kept so much of it in the bathroom because <laughs> I could really go with that explanation yeah. because my grandmother was secretly evil the thing that gets me is he goes it's like PJ's getting to be a handful and I'm thinking they're going getting to be these characters <laughs> never change they're not getting to be anything now there's one thing that i would like to bring up and this is the character of alan finch who is certainly a center point in this episode and one thing i only noticed upon watching this time but uh, jack plotnick looks so much like tom lank it's kind of scary mm. it is a little bit I want to write a fic where Alan Finch is, like, the cousin of Andrew. Because they do, like, have this very similar look to them. And it's like, Sunnydale's a small town. It could make an interesting story. He's He's got a lot of relatives, apparently. Right, and there's he's obviously got a twin brother because she shows up as a vampire. <laughs> oh, yeah, that's true. Yeah, Cyrus. Yeah, he was in The Real Me. And his brother will turn up later this season yes he will yes yes he will his lame old brother tucker and moist towelettes in the the evil cupboard yes yes it's like really you keep them over there not on your desk you are evil i would actually think that considering how germaphobic the mayor is he probably has moist towelettes all over that place true true yeah. i thought you were gonna say all over sunnydale and i was just imagining him planting them places he'd have to be i would not put that past him he's a very <laughs> organized guy as we'll find out later on and you gotta love how he just takes the moist towelette and just sort of holds it out to alan <laughs> just deal with this in this scene we do get a little hint of finch is really not cool with everything that is going on i i really do like that we never actually they never take a moment to be like Finch is like, oh, I'm going to go tell the Slayers what's happening. It's all in the acting, like this facial acting. And I appreciate mm -hmm. that subtlety that we're supposed to pick up on things. Actually, there's a lot of subtlety in this episode, which we'll talk about more later on. We get the credits and then we get into a scene with the gang talking about Willow's early admissions. And this is all fucking bullshit. <laughs> Candy? I would like to point out that one of the colleges she got into was Wesleyan because mm -hmm. of course they had to throw that in because that's where Joss Whedon went. Yeah. College, oh. Wesleyan. Also where Lin-Manuel Miranda went to college. Which is 
And also yeah. where Allie Hannigan's character on How I Met Your Mother went. Oh. Oh. It, oh, I, that was definitely intentional. I find it interesting that she got early admissions 100 days before graduation. Bullshit. <laughs> Yeah. Bullshit. That is not early admissions. That's standard Th- that's admissions. That's admissions, time. yeah. This episode is set in February, like mid-February. Early admissions come in early December. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And also, there's only early admissions for one school. You apply to one school for early admissions, not yeah. like 20 of them. Right. Oh, I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. I'm only just now in college. <laughs> I won't swear that you can only do one. Maybe you can do like two, but... You don't just apply to every place you're applying to early admission. That yeah. just you don't that doesn't happen. I don't know anything about it because pretty much besides valedictorians and my super super STEM friends, everyone's like, "Yeah, we're going to go to one of the three state colleges. Kind of maybe we're going to move to Phoenix." Ooh. Cuz I have a relative there. I'm also really offended that these aren't like early admissions applications that Willow is putting out. These are actually places that Willow has been accepted to. And they basically name like every major university they can think of. And then she ends up going to UC fucking Sunnydale. Yeah. She found a higher purpose. (laughs) Um, What I love about this scene is Xander immediately sex shames Cordelia. Like an asshole. Oh God. Yes, he does. But then she poor shames him. What I want to know is, does contractually mandated Cordelia have super hearing? Yes. Yes. Xander has his comments that she reacts to well before she gets anywhere near him. Mm. She's just right around the corner like, come on, mm. give me an opening, give me an opening. Yeah, it's just like, what? what? Uh. <laughs> but before we got to that, I have to say, as much as Xander annoys me, I like Xander and Oz's low-key friendship. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I like that their hair is kind of matchy-matchy. Oz looks super cute with black hair. I mean, he looks super cute most of the time, but baby goth me really reacted to that. (laughs) Very strongly. And I appreciate that they uh, tinted his eyebrows when they dye his hair. Yeah. Do you think that's because he'd come off of Austin Powers? I'm not sure. Because that his hair was like black and blue in that movie, and maybe they just had to dye out the... I don't know. It's possible. I think Seth dyed his hair like a lot of different colors for a lot of movies and i think actually he probably got to choose what he wanted to do maybe some of it was for movies but i think it also just fit oz's character yeah so yeah if Seth's like i'm gonna dye my hair they're like sure whatever but yeah hooker wear shut up xander shut up xander yeah shut up xander but they're all they both trade super low blows they do like they just Mm. i mean because then she basically poor shames him so it's like a class shaming. Not to say that the hooker wear was a good... I'm not excusing what Xander said. But. Yeah, they really bring out the best in each other. But I imagine that's Cordy going on the defensive because she's just lost everything. Yeah, I think probably by this point her dad has probably been arrested. Because it's only a couple episodes from now that she'll be working at the boutique. So I think things are already in motion at this point. And if he had been arrested... I'm sorry, what's going on with the newspaper in Sunnydale, which clearly gets delivered? They would have been, That would have been front page news. You would think. Not if they're just investigating at this point. Mm. Small town newspapers? I'm pretty sure the Sunnydale local newspaper sucks rocks. So <laughs> <laughs> The Sunnydale local newspaper is so filled with obits, they have no place for actual news. Mysterious neck, neck ruptures. <laughs> yeah. Also, can we talk about how adorable Buffy is? Yes. Yes. 
always. Aww. Is this the cute episode? Yeah, is this a cute, the scene with the cute coat and the, just the whole ensemble is excellent? Yeah. All her outerwear is stunning. Yeah, so I mean, like, yeah, the, this is the cute purple coat. Cute purple coat. She's got little purple flowers. She's, like, head to toe in, like, purple and lavenders and stuff. And she looks so good. They got so cute. They shows up with that dark lipstick in the next scene. They got to really hammer home what they've been doing all season with the, which Andy's commented on several times with the, their costuming. Buffy's an Easter egg all, yeah. Um, <laughs> yeah, they she's... definitely play with Buffy's clothing throughout this episode, and we can point it out more later on where she's very colorful and cute here, and later on she'll be bad girl dark colors, but right now she just looks adorable. Willow tells Buffy to go to the library, and we are introduced to Mr. Wesley Wyndham Price, uh... Giles's ghost of Christmas past. <laughs> Well, yeah. I, the the way Willow says, well, he doesn't look. What does she say? He doesn't look happy or something. Does she know Wesley's there? I don't think so. Which is yeah. weird because Wesley's right there, all up in Giles's grill. Yeah. I my my note is just, oh Wesley, I'm so happy you you will eventually turn out not to be so much of a shit. <laughs> <laughs> He's just awful in this episode. Uh, Wesley and Cordy have, I think, the biggest character arcs of any mm-hmm. character in you know in the Buffyverse. it makes me i mean obviously we're all just like oh who is this guy when we first saw it but going back to it, it makes me appreciate alexis denisov's acting so hmm. much more he is such a great actor and and also his physical comedy so great he is so funny in this and then think about what he does in angel season four or season three, after he's gotten his throat cut and, like, Angel's tried to smother him. And he is just, like, all dark and keeping women in closets. And it's like, Alexis has fucking range. He does mm. have range. He's very, very good. And, I yeah, he's one of those ones I'm like, why don't you work more? I mean, he has done things. He was in the first Avengers movie. He was just uh, mo-capped. Yeah. Mm. He was yeah. Thanos before Josh Brolin. Josh Brolin was Thanos. I wish they had kept I really do, too, because... I don't like Josh Brolin, so... Um. Well, yes, there is that, too. <laughs> also, I just want Alexis to work. I do, too. He's so great. And the reaction to Wesley, the, is he evil? <laughs> and she repeats it. Yeah. <laughs> Not strictly speaking. <laughs> and the way Buffy, when Wesley is you know, talking to Buffy, and the way Buffy just looks to Giles and is like, do I have to talk to him? And Giles kind of gives that nod, and Buffy rolls her eyes... There's mm-hmm. such great, like, subtle acting going on. I love the way that Buffy jumps up on that table and basically, not actual snuggling, kind of snuggles up to Giles in this very easy manner, and it's very much my body language. So you can see the unease with Wesley and what she's trying to do by sitting that close to Giles, but then you also, at the same time, have the layer of how easy she feels with Giles, actually easy she feels with Giles. Yeah, I like the the double meaning here, the how they want to compare her relationship with Giles versus her very new relationship with Wesley, but also we're two episodes out from Helpless and to see them obviously at ease with each other and comfortable and that trusting relationship is firmly cemented. That's really nice. It's a good callback. Mm -hmm. And essentially united against the Watcher's Council. Yeah. I mean, I think that's probably the hurdle that gets them through, right? I think it may have taken them a lot longer to get over the helpless business 
if Giles hadn't been fired, because then that gives her that sort of impetus yep. to be like, nope, he's my guy, he's my watcher, he's my friend, he's my dad, he's my all those things, and just kind of get over it pretty quickly. Okay, mm -hmm. I must shout out Sarah's best delivery in the show ever. And that's whenever Giles sends me on a mission, he says, please. And afterwards, I get a cookie. Get a cookie. <laughs> <laughs> Just the way she says cookie always makes me laugh. Yes. It's so good. Can I David for a second? Yes. <laughs> Why is Wesley in the library unpacking books back into the library? Because uh, the Watcher's Council is cheap as shit and they don't want to give him an actual office. Maybe. I mean, it's just, it's just one of those things I'm like, why would you stick all your stuff in a place where you know you're going to see Giles all the time and he can, like, usurp your power? <laughs> it's, I think, the Watsonian versus the Doyleist. Obviously, from the Doyleist perspective, we have to keep Wesley working with Giles because Giles is, you know, one of our regulars. Uh, from the Watsonian, if I'm going to headcanon it, Wesley's job is not just to watch Buffy, but to regulate Giles, since Giles has made it clear that he's not going anywhere. Headcanon accepted. He's clearly there to keep an eye on Giles as well. Wouldn't that be easier with two Watchers for the two Slayers? Yeah, think! Remember, this, this is the Watchers Council. They <laughs> don't do anything in any reasonable manner. <laughs> The number of watchers that we know there are, it doesn't make sense that you only have one of them actually watching the Slayer. I mean, like, back in Helpless, we had three of them come to just administer the test. So, you know, why don't you, like, switch off on, like, watching the Slayer? And then you wouldn't get into situations where it's like, I'm really close to this Slayer, and I'm the only person that's watching her, and she's willful and goes off on her own. But, you know, we've <laughs> talked about all of this before. So Faith ends up coming in and is just, screw that, walks right back out. <laughs> yep. I, would, I would actually be Faith in this situation. And she's also Izzy Evil. And, like, I've been like, no. Faith is basically, in this episode, she's in full-on fuck this mode. She's in full-on fuck something mode, which we'll get into in a second. <laughs> I'm not sure where I would bring this up, so I'll just bring it up now. I find this episode a little forced in some ways. Like the characters are pushed into where they have to be. If this episode had happened right after, say, Revelations, I could see this faith being this, just fuck it. But in the interim, we've seen her take on the responsibility of protecting Joyce. And she kind of came back from the complete you guys all suck thing. I think she's only you guys all suck to Wesley and everybody <laughs> is you really suck to Wesley. It's just Faith is the one who has the balls to say it outright. But she's going to go full on like I'm just breaking into places and stealing shit. I think that's Faith and I honestly think Faith has probably <sighs> been doing that already. It's just she's showing Buffy that now because we're seeing a connection between Buffy and Faith in this episode that we mm. haven't really seen before. That's the part that I feel is really more forced, is the fact yeah. that Buffy and Faith are getting along so well. That's the other thing. We've seen little hints of it, certainly not to this extent, though I like it yeah. because, oh my God, 
the femme slash overtones in this. I was just about to say getting along so gaily. So <laughs> oh, I know. It is all the fluffy all the time. I also think this episode, it's a very transitional episode. Yeah. Mm. You mean, I mean, it's like a part one of a part, you know, and so I think we get a lot of setup here that's going to mm. pay off later. But this episode, I, I mean, again, it's not the worst. But yeah, it's mm. just sort of, yeah, it just sort of chugs along, it does a thing. And so that might be what you're feeling, David. We are setting up the second half of the season, which is this is the right time to set up the second half of the season, seeing as how this is kind of around the middle. In terms of the slashiness of this, Faith is so into Buffy. Like, I am not even, like, I don't even want to call it subtext. It's just freaking text. <laughs> yeah. The way she looks at her. Not just when, when she later pulls her out of class or whatever, but I think there's a bit, it may be in the beginning fight scene or when they're talking after they she follow, Buffy follows Faith up out of the library is very heated. With all of the grunting and stuff? Like, oh come God. on, just come on. Yeah. Y'all aren't even trying to be subtle. No, oh no. <laughs> Faith is like, you go do the assignment and, you know, I'll just go do my own thing so Buffy goes out to find this amulet of the demon Balthazar Buffy ends up running into a bunch of the vampire guys that follow Balthazar and I do question why vampires are like following this demon but whatever vampire makeup is cheap on this show mm -hmm. but Buffy's very smart hiding she's she's yeah. a smart girl not that Faith thinks it's smart, but, you know. Well, yeah, but, you know, it's Faith. I do, when they go down into the sewer, I do like Faith's. If you don't come after me, I might die. Chase me, chase me. I have to give Faith some credit there, because these guys are getting away. There's not a lot of time for planning. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's like, if you'd spent the time you spent arguing, doing a quick plan, that would have been much better than arguing about planning <laughs> yeah. also if you think about how many times buffy has run off to oh, do well, something yeah. it's only by contrasting her with somebody like faith is buffy gonna actually seem responsible because she's always running off to do things but then we get a quick scene of giles and wesley together and giles's low-key hatred of wesley is just <laughs> it's beautiful i could just eat it up and clearly of his past self. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. This it's it's self-loathing for his past self. Like we, we you notice how Giles is dressed in this episode. The tweed is gone. We're not going to really see that tweedy jacket ever again because they need to like contrast him with like this button down new watcher who's come in. Do we need a moment of silence for the tweed jacket? <laughs> We're gonna see some tweeds on him, but like collar is more loose. You know what I mean? There's just the he's a lot more cash. Yeah, he's he's cashing out a little bit. Yeah, mm -hmm. you know, and it's very I subtle. Appreciate. And it, you know, again, there's some great costume design on the show. There always has been. I think it was a really interesting choice for them to go with the Ghost of Christmas Past for Wesley because originally, as he was written, they wanted to go with like a Michael J. Fox type of young hip watcher, but I really like that they went with just Giles Jr. I think it works really well mm -hmm. and helps establish who Giles is. I love the line, her abuse of the English language is such that I only understand every other sentence. Because I feel that's how my mother feels about me, like, all the time. <laughs> Just one of my mm. favorites. Tie-in writers, 
please write the Watcher Diaries. I want to read Giles's Watcher Diaries for every single episode. And if we're not going to get that, then somebody write a fucking fan fiction about it because I want it. Mm. Yeah, give it to me. Give, give it to me, me now. Hands. Where's that, uh, yes. that, that uh, gif of, of Fry with the give it to me, take my money, please. Obey the MC. <laughs> and then we get back to the girls fighty fighty. Fighty fight, fight, fight. I think this is a turning point in this episode because obviously Buffy is acting very out of character for a lot of this episode. And I think it's because of this moment where she is being drowned again. Mm -hmm. Because if you actually look at this episode, a lot of the way Buffy is acting is like the way she was acting mm. when she was bad. So yeah. I think there's some PTSD coming up okay. and she's acting out. And if you actually look at the way Buffy is dressed in this scene... She's dressed like she was in Prophecy Girl, just not in the fancy dress. She's wearing a leather coat. She is wearing a white shirt that kind of mimics the the white dress. Even the way her hair is done is kind of up in a high ponytail like it was in Prophecy Girl. So after she's been drowned, when they show her from like the waist up, kind of looks like Prophecy Girl. Totally hmm. intentional. Okay, that, that actually helps me a lot with this. Yeah. For sure. Yeah, no, yeah. that's a really great point. I, yeah, because I found it, like, I understand they may need it for narrative reasons, but I, I've often found it a little hard to swallow that Buffy would have such a 180 in her relationship mm -hmm. with Faith, and it absolutely makes sense that she's, you know, experiencing this again and, and of course, reacting in a similar fashion because it wasn't too terribly long ago when it happened. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. That is a great character insight, MC. Like, mm -hmm. Yeah. Go, go MC. Yay. I am going to complain about this scene, though. Sure. How long does this go on without a, without a single stake getting used? Again, it's like, let's kick and punch the vampires for no good reason when they should just be staking them. It's because it's a 45-minute <laughs> show and we need to fill in somewhere. I know, but I'm, I'm, I'm going to be all, I'm going to be Watsonian here <laughs> and go, this is wrong. Yeah, no, it is. <laughs> I mean, granted, I do think Buffy is really thrown off by the dr the near drowning. So even before, I mean, there's kicking and punching for God knows how long before that happens. It is it it goes on a long. I I forced myself not to go back and time it. So basically, they just need like one of those like bandoliers across their chest, just like filled with stakes, mm. so that they can always have yeah. one on the ready. That would be great. Just having said that, I want to draw a picture of Buffy and Faith like that, because actually I'm a little turned on by the image of them with. <laughs> <laughs> I do. Make it a little like uh, Wild West themed, and I'd be extra on board. <laughs> okay, listeners, fan art. Get going. Please. <laughs> I do like the, this. It may be the first staking we get where she just chucks the stake. Yeah. Mm. So good. I like their weird, like, three-pointer, super extra Harlem Globetrotter staking <laughs> when they happen. <laughs> But after the fight, we get Buffy back with the Watchers, and she's so snarky. <laughs> Show of hands. Of the good, anybody else use that one frequently? Yeah. Yeah. It's of the good. I think all of us. Yeah, I'm like, that's yeah. that's one of those ones that I, until I saw this episode, I'm like, oh, of course that's where I got that. <laughs> oh. Incidentally, you know, they go from killing the vampires to dancing at the bronze. Uh, no, not yet. We're we're still a little. They don't. We're, oh, we're, am we still I, got a bit. Mm -mm. You're jumping ahead. Am of I at the, the wrong? Nest. Am I at the wrong slaying? Yeah. I'm sorry. <laughs> Just. 
we get Buffy being snarky in the scene, but we also get Giles being snarky, mm-hmm. and I love it. I love me some mm-hmm. snarky Giles. And I love it especially because Giles has absolutely no reason to listen to Wesley. Like, they no. fired his ass, so why should he listen yeah. to Wesley? That he's not actively undermining Wesley is is pretty impressive. Yeah. <laughs> oh, when he just, when Giles says, oh, I'm just sick about it. Like. Oh, yeah. <laughs> Tony is wonderful in this episode. I love trolley Giles. He's so great. I actually referred to him as Herculean at one point. <laughs> <laughs> because it definitely is kind of the characterization that Tony uses when he plays Hurt Shipwright on Cabin Pressure. <laughs> Go listen to Cabin Just Pressure. Yeah. I promise Very you listeners droll. that you will not be disappointed. It's the most oh, delightful so thing good. in the universe. Then we get to the chem test. And Buffy being so excited oh, about God. her new girlfriend. Oh, the Fuffy. Yeah. Oh, mm-hmm. oh, the Fuffy is what I put in my notes. It's the wooing phase, which they've already addressed yeah. uh, mm. earlier in the episode. It's the best part. And can we point out the funny aneurysm moment of Xander covering up his eye? <laughs> <laughs> and it's the right eye. Too. Highly caffeinated. It is the eye that gets poked out. So. Oh, Ooh. okay. No. I just. Whoops. Does anybody here know the term funny aneurysm moment? It's from uh, TV tropes. One of their tropes is mm-hmm. called funny aneurysm moment. And it's basically if somebody makes a funny quip that ends up becoming something serious. And it's based off the episode, I believe it's The Freshman, where Buffy mm-hmm. is buying all of these books. And she's like, I can't wait till mom gets the bill. I hope it's a funny, funny aneurysm. aneurysm. Yes. And then, of course, poor Joyce. So, yeah, Xander covering yeah. up the eye he shall eventually lose is a funny aneurysm moment. But the most important part of this scene is Faith coming through that window and then making the heart. Like, she makes a freaking heart. Like, are I know. saying that this is not slashy? It's totally slashy. And the writers were like, no, no, that's not what we are going for. And then I guess someone, I mean, this is when the posting board and a lot more communication was happening with the writers and the... Someone wrote an essay and sort of really point by point meta about, and they're like, "Oh yeah, no, no, you're right. I see it now. You're you're yeah. not making no, no. I see it. They acknowledged it. Is it a Freudian slip if you write an entire relationship around it? <laughs> <laughs> that's not a Freudian slip. That's a Freudian skid. Yes. <laughs> Slide right on in. <laughs> What the fuck is going on with that teacher? She's telling them not to talk, but doesn't know when, notice when an entire student jumps out a window. I don't no. know. Like, that was so weird. Like, did that teacher just, like, walk out of the room? Like, after. It actually looks like that's what happens. Hardcore honor system. What the hell? Yeah. yeah I mean, when she says honor system, she's serious. Mm. For real. But we get to probably my favorite scene of this episode because, you know, baby by me, watch this scene and so after they climb out the window and they go in for that quick hunt and they look so freaking awesome like back to you know side to side really with their stakes and then Mm. we get into the the dancing scene and yes there are all those guys around them but i don't care they're they're dancing with each other oh no they're just guys they're only two slayers yeah like buffy even says that to angel oh them no they're we don't know we don't care about them yeah but like my question is what's the timeline here they leave in the middle of the school day 
kill a nest of amps, and all of a sudden they're like dancing at the bronze. What time does the bronze open? <laughs> I don't think that timeline wise they happen at the same time. I think that you know there's a couple hours. Like we don't know how long they were out killing vampires for. True, and I imagine after they killed the vampires, they had to scratch that itch. They get. Kill some. Yeah, I was about to say. Please, somebody write a fanfic. Oh, I'm sure someone has written that fanfic. Dinner in a movie. They went back to Faith. Things progressed the way, one way or another, and then they like got all dressed up together and put on slinket clothes, and you know, I have a hard time shipping them at this point, but only because I'm 44 and I like don't read. I don't read fanfic (laughs) that happens in high school anymore. I just can't do it. But that's me. Fair like, enough. That's me, not y'all. I have no problem shipping them now because back then I was a year or two younger than them. So it was it was baby by me who was just like, I'm into this. So I feel it's grandfathered in. No, no, no. And I think it is too. It's like when you go back and look at a picture of your high school, whoever you were dating, and to you, they're like, oh man, he was hot. Even though you know they're 15 and you shouldn't because your mind goes back to feeling about them the way you did when you were 15. Exactly. Yeah, no, for sure. I totally feel that. Interesting fact about this scene, the Buffy and Faith dance sequence, it was actually done shot for shot in X-Men Evolution because yes. the X-Men Evolution writers and animators were super into Buffy and actually like several of the characters are physically based off of characters from Buffy. Like Nightcrawler was based off Seth Green, which is one of the reasons why I fucking love Nightcrawler. I love him for many other reasons. Well, too. Nightcrawler's great anyway, well, but yes. that that's excellent. Yeah, and, that is um, excellent. Jean Grey was based on Charisma Carpenter, but yeah, the hmm. uh there's a scene where Kitty and Rogue are dancing, uh and they basically rotoscoped the scene. It's yeah. it's dead on. I I have to say my only problem with that is that as a longtime listener of J- Jane Miles explain the X-Men, I know perfectly well that should be Kitty and Rachel not kitty and rogue fair enough <laughs> but it's x-men evolution in which everything is yeah. completely different yeah. jay and miles have a t-shirt with a picture of kitty and rachel it says it's not just a phase it... and <laughs> it <laughs> took me a moment but i love it it's a pun. I like that. Good. the music here is that later used for a dvd menu or something yes yes yes, yes. it is yes I believe it's used for the menus for this season. Yes, it is. Probably, yeah. Again, we get a mirror to when she was bad because Angel comes in and is super uncomfortable with Buffy all sexy dancing. Only this time she's sexy dancing with Faith. I find it interesting that Angel is super uncomfortable when Buffy exercises agency and her sexuality as an adult. Well, it's because Angel is completely uncomfortable in his relationship. Good. So are we. Also, you notice Buffy is dressed darker now. She is dressed more mm-hmm. like Faith compared to the earlier yep. scene. Because uh, she borrowed some of Faith's clothes. Come on. Yeah. Oh, we Maybe. got these all messed up. Let me <laughs> let me borrow one of your strappy, strappy thingamabies. The production team does not understand the word subtle. Well, um, yeah, there's that too. <laughs> but, but Wesley uh, comes in and, oh my God, Wesley doesn't know who Angel oh. is yet. And how does right. Wesley not know who Angel is yet? Because the Watcher's Council... The Watcher's Castle sucks. I do love the dynamic there with Buffy and Angel when they just run roughshod all over Wesley. Like, it's a really it's a really mm-hmm. fun little mm-hmm. three-hander there. 
Like, I, I just really like mm-hmm. the... It's just really good timing. He might as well not be there. I mean, like, comic timing mm-hmm. going on there. I, I really enjoyed that uh, part of Buffy and Angel. And then with Alexis doing his funny Alexis physical comedy stuff. Him trying to be a watcher, but having absolutely no idea how to do it. Like, leave me a number where I can contact you. First of all, oh my God, it's the late 90s. But also just the idea that Buffy would have any idea, like where a payphone was, where Wesley could contact her while she's slaying vampires. (laughs) First of all, what the fuck? How does he find her at the bronze? Why would you even... But second of all, I really do like that dynamic there, especially the it pooches your jacket bit. I love that it's a sort of, we don't want you here, but if you're going to hang with us, you got to get on the same page. Oh, I, I read a really cute thing. It's not necessarily about this scene, but it's an Alexis thing. Apparently, um, Allie Hannigan, um, Willow, is married to Alexis Denisoff. Um, she- yeah. Don't remind me. Hey, that's, a, you know, they're both really nice people, but you know. So I'm she sure. tweeted a couple days ago that Alexis shouts at the TV in an English accent when he's watching the World Cup. Oh. <laughs> and I just so thought cute. it nice. was this funny, sweet, just one of those wifey kind of tweets that you just, you know what I mean? Like, I was just really like, of course you do. Yeah. I also do the same thing during Doctor Who. So, you know. Obviously, this is the episode where Allie and Alexis met and she was apparently mm-hmm. into him like right away. But yeah. Alexis had, he had a rule not to date co-workers. So they didn't get together until he was on Angel and she was on Buffy. But still, I mean, it's super cute that they met. One thing I liked about this scene, there's this thing with that no one mentions, no one reacts to. It's not brought up. No one notices it. Buffy has this ginormous fucking gash on her arm. Thank you. Clean yourself up. <laughs> I, I kind of love that. No one says anything. No one notices it. No one kind of looks at it funny. Nothing. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, whatever. I, not even, not even, yeah, whatever. It's completely ignored. We move on to the next scene, which is our introduction to the supposedly dead demon Balthazar, who, well, let's face it, he's Job of the Hut. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. I, I that- can't even look at him. I had to keep looking away on these scenes because he grosses me out so much like oh he's disgusting. disgusting it's like what were they even thinking and then he's got like a little ass that he eats i just he's he's extremely blobby of course really funny thing is they kept on pouring the water over him so in my head i kept on going moisturize me moisturize me so that drives me an evil evil crack pairing formed in my head of balthazar with lady cassandra and so it's almost like a jack spratt situation (laughs) he kept reminding me of and I know it was a fan-created monster, and that's why it's not great. The Absorbaloff from Love and Monsters. I could see that. And I'm like, especially the way he just yelled mm-hmm. the whole time. Like, I just, I, I can't yeah. with Balthazar, and I don't even want to talk about it. I do want to give the actor credit, because he does a great job under all that, all those prosthetics. Yeah. I disagree. I find it very one note. All he does is shout. You were not looking uh, at Well, him. okay, I was looking at him a little bit. I get, but... No, I mean, he really, like, just, like, his physical... There's a point where he just, like, starts flailing his arms around. It's kind of hilarious, but it's really, like, huh, 
you can actually move in that thing. I'm impressed. I think this is fun <laughs> because we wanted to have a different kind of demon for this episode. And this is kind of the only episode where you could do this sort of demon because mm -hmm. Balthazar doesn't really do anything. He just kind of warns Buffy like what's coming. And I mm -hmm. believe Doug Petrie said it's like, yeah, he's kind of like a joke, but imagine what he would be like if he could get up, which is kind of what like the amulet would do to him, like make him like really powerful. Apparently, this demon, Balthazar, was actually based on Kingpin from Marvel Comics. Really? Yeah. Okay. All right. Interesting. Because the kingpin doesn't have a whole lot of trouble moving. Well, no. The, the whole idea of like this big, powerful guy, like obviously kingpin. If you actually mm. like look into Marvel comics, kingpin is actually like all muscle. Like he may look yeah. like a big fat guy, but it's muscular. But no, it's all muscle. But that's that's the thing about the kingpin is he is. You look at him, and he's like, oh, it's just this big fat guy. Oh no, he is. He could kick. Yeah, your I mean, ass. it's not. It's a pretty terrible movie. But the Ben Affleck Daredevil, them using Michael Clark Duncan as Kingpin, was actually pretty genius because he's mm. just yeah, man. You know, he's a big yeah. It's like Terry Crews. Oh yeah, he's an enormous know? man. Yeah, I had no trouble with that casting. But basically, the whole idea of Balthazar, it's like he's he would be Kingpin if he had his amulet. Okay. But he doesn't have his mm. amulet, so he's, he's been depowered. But yeah, I, I I do have a problem with these vampires following this demon who can't move. But nah, whatever, I don't really care about the Balthazar storyline. It's just kind of there to oh yeah project I mean, the story. I just assume I just assume it's a cult, so they do culty things. Yeah. Buffy and Faith <laughs> find Balthazar, and again, so fucking slashy with the want take have. Like this scene is hot. I, I like that Buffy wants, takes, halves a knife, since that becomes such a thing between them. Yes. I find that interesting. I have mm. no problem with the hotness of the slashiness. What I am increasingly noticing is I'm so uncomfortable with Faith's characterization. Because this characterization is partially coming from Eliza. I would say about 15%. I'm, you know what I mean. But it's yeah. coming from a writer's room where, yes, there are women there, but the creation of her, the way she acts, the lines they put in her mouth, the, it's so overly they sexualized overly sexualize her. And, her. It, and I, I think, because I've said before, the first couple <clears throat> of watch-throughs of this for me, I did not like Faith. And I think it was yeah. my internalized misogyny, like finding her too, too slutty to be relatable, even though I was like totally slutty and I own it. And I loved it. But, like, I, I I, think it was that, and now I'm seeing it, you know, in my 40s, and I'm just like, especially knowing how old Eliza was filming it, she wasn't 21, 22, 23, 24, like the rest of the cast members are. She's oh, 17, no. turning 18 years old, and it just, it just makes me so uncomfortable at the core of me that, and the slashy, shippy stuff, so I, am, I have no problem with that, because I think they'd be a great couple. Once they could get past their issues. It's the exploitive mm -hmm. nature of how the show treats Faith. Yeah, it's definitely coming from a group of men who are trying to create, whether or not with good intentions, trying to create a character that 
has a lot of autonomy and exercises it, but she does it in a way that's very yep. male fantasy oriented. Yeah, it, it comes off. It, they miss the mark. Again, so that's just what's making me uncomfortable, I think, especially in this episode with all the, the you know. Yeah. Fair enough. So they get arrested, but that does not last very long. Real quick, that cop fired his service weapon at two teenage girls who were just robbing a place. What the fuck? Sunnydale Police Force, I imagine they have a high turnover rate. Yeah. Come on. Sunnydale PD are really fast on pulling guns out. Like, remember, like, Mm -hmm. Buffy was getting shot at when she was fleeing uh, Kendra's dead body. You would think it was Albuquerque. That was a knock on our police force to shooting <laughs> The introducing of cops into things has brought a level of realism into this for Buffy because at first she was having fun with Faith, but now it's all real. So the next day she's looking through the news on the robbery. Mm-hmm. Here she is feeling consequences, which obviously we will get more into mm-hmm. at the end of this episode and the next one, since it's called Consequences. Buffy is always just kind of one step ahead of Faith in terms of, you know, thinking through things. And here she's already Mm -hmm. starting to pull back from everything that happened. And we get a little random appearance from Joyce. And she is such a mom. She has totally accepted the Slayer thing. And Mm -hmm. they only don't have calories if I make them for you. Like, that's the most ridiculous Uh, mom thing ever. That's the most ridiculous me thing ever. Because plate food stolen from my partner's plate also does not have calories. But yeah, it's just a nice little quick appearance from Joyce, and I this Mm -hmm. we're to the time where it's like appearances from Joyce are a joy. You know, Faith makes a thing says a thing when they're in the cop cars, like we can't save the world if we're in jail, and they were about to like try and deal with Balthazar, which seems to be a kind of imminent threat. So they escape from the cops, and then they just go home. Instead of actually doing anything about the (laughs) demon. What's up with that? Well, because it was never actually about going after Balthazar. It was just about getting away from the cops. Overarchingly, you can't save the world if you're in jail. I think they both had a moment of, oh shit, we need to take a step back from this. Because we did just get arrested. Um, So Mm -hmm. I think they both sort of silently agreed that maybe they should take the night off. But Faith did go back for that stupidly large bow yeah i I think that's probably what happened they got away and then faith decided she wanted to go back and buffy was just like peace out i can't do this we move on to a scene of the mayor and oh my god the mayor is a fucking mayor like he's meeting with the boy scouts and we do have there's some i don't want to say double entendre because that has such sexual connotations but this the double meaning, let's put it like that, where he's like, I could just eat them up. And we know oh, that's yeah, exactly yeah. what the mayor is intending to do. I have to note that Alan's face, the acting there is great because you can actually see his wheels turning. It, yeah, I just it's really good. It's what he's doing with his face. Good face, dude. He is mm-hmm. very <laughs> underappreciated in this because basically people only remember him for being killed by Faith. But he does a lot of acting that is kind of all under the surface because they don't give him any scenes where he's like really contemplating. It's like, I'm going to go see the Slayers. No, he has to emote them while in front of the mayor. Yeah. So. I mean, it's, it's, it's subtle mm-hmm. on his part mm-hmm. and it's actually really interesting on the writer's part to not 
go give him a big scene where he's like, I don't know if I should do the thing. But one of Balthazar's men jump out at the mayor and Mr. Trick knocks him back. And Mr. Trick is so great. And I love the line. It's called an Uzi chump. Yeah. And he's also yeah. not wrong. Yeah, well. No. Yeah. yeah, you know what would kill a Slayer dead really quick? Well, I mean, well, an Uzi maybe, but we do see a Slayer get shot. And it is kind of explained in what is it villains that the demon says that you got to be a good shot and the slayers heal fast so an uzi yeah you might be able to kill a slayer with that but just a regular gun uh i find the underlying storyline like bringing balthazar into this and setting him up as the major threat but actually never really outright saying it that the mayor is the one that put Balthazar into this state like he is the reason why he's like Jabba the Hutt in this I mean don't they he says now my enemy has like ultimate power well they do say it but they don't like have Balthazar have a whole speech where it's like and the mayor like defeated me and turned me into this it is you know a much more low-key storyline and much better I would have been very disappointed had they been like let me you how this dude fucked me over it's not at all arch i think is why the mayor arc is my favorite villain arc there's some um, arcs that are more emotional for me because these Mm -hmm. writers can really hit you over the head with some just like here's the theme but this season and what they do with the mayor is not arch and it's so subtle and it's woven in so well that i just like it's genius i think it's the best writing of a villain of the entire run. Which I think is very clever for a villain who is kind of campy. <laughs> he is Bernie Fife went bad. Which is, <laughs> I love mm-hmm. that. It's so. the ever popular banality of evil. Yeah, except right. in this case, okay. maybe it's maybe it's the evil of banality. Because the mayor is just this, on the surface, this kind of bland, mayory guy. <laughs> you know, he's also feeding babies to demons uh so we move on from the mayor and we get the scene where balthazar says outright that the mayor did this to him and it's very quick it's Mm. demony and then we move to willow and buffy and do not call yourself a wicca willow you are not a practitioner yeah well they don't have a lot of reality i think it was maybe just because that had been a sort of thing i mean correct me if i'm wrong considering it was like 11 or something that would had been in the news a bit and i think maybe that was the way i mean watchers could connect with it i think what it was is that they didn't want to call her a witch because calling her a witch made it sound like she was wearing you know a pointy hat and riding a broom and stuff they thought it's like oh this is more mystical Mm -hmm. and stuff but i don't care for it there's a million other words you could have used that were not wicca Mm -hmm. or even witch you could have called her a sorceress though actually in my head canon source in my head canon sorceresses are demons and witches are humans it's incredibly disrespectful to Wiccan practitioners and pagans yeah. out there. It, it's basically like calling a Christian as something else. You know what I mean? Like, and I have so many friends in the pagan community, and it's just, it's offensive to me, and it's offensive to me on their behalf. So. Although, to be, not I want to say to be fair, but that was the first time I'd ever heard that term, and that was the reason I looked into the existence of, like, 
Wicca as a religion and, and the reason I was like a practitioner for four or five years. And I do know a lot of people that came about it, especially around my age, a little bit younger, a little bit older, came at it because of that. Yes, absolutely. Um, that are still practicing. It is a religion. And so that really pisses me off that they are disrespecting someone's religion. And it is, it's shooty Ivy magic. Willow never exhibits any sign that she is actually practicing Wicca. To the point where when she goes to a Wiccan group, she's like, oh no, this isn't for me. This isn't what I want. Yeah, we will get into that in Hush. But yeah, that offended me a lot. One thing, <laughs> talking about shooty Ivy magic, wouldn't adding different herbs to something change the spell? Maybe, maybe Probably. not. If you're talking about actual magic with a K, I guess it depends on what you're constructing it for and for what reason and for whom. I'm going to base my answer on that, you know, magic is like science, but with more newt. What you take in medications is not the medication. It's an, in, it's an inert, unrelated substance that's there just as a finder. Lavender is used in some spells, and I mm -hmm. feel like Willow messes up enough without... Oh, improvising. I'm not saying it couldn't screw things up, but it's possible that there are things you could add that would be inert with relation to this particular mixture. Maybe. And perhaps it's the, the Harry Potter school of magic, where the reason muggles can't make potions is because they can't infuse it with their magic. They can make the mixture, but it's not actually magical, which is sort mm. of the way. So you mm. talk about... But if you bring up Harry Potter and you want to talk about this is basically a potion, except it's dry. Making potions in Harry Potter, you have very specific ingredients for stuff. But whatever. I do want to know why if she's talking about adding lavender to something, <laughs> suddenly then she starts talking about minty fresh. And I was like, you didn't add mint. You added lavender. Yes. Yes. That pine bothered fresh. me. Yeah. No, there's no mint. She actually makes a couple different. She says pine fresh. She says minty fresh. What the fuck's going on in that bag? <laughs> I also would like to know why Willow suddenly doesn't like Faith. It kind of comes out of nowhere. She feels threatened. Yeah, no, I think it's totally that she feels threatened. And that's a very awkward scene between Willow and Buffy, right? Because it's obvious that Buffy doesn't want to hurt Willow, and Willow is hurt, mm -hmm. but is mm -hmm. trying not to act like it's that big of a deal. So in situations like this, sometimes it's not like a dislike of that person specifically. Mm -hmm. You start to project onto the person. But it's such a switch from the beginning yeah. of the season where Buffy was really hesitant with Faith and Willow was just like all about Faith and thought she was really cool. And kind of from this point onward, Willow will not be having anything from Faith. Like she absolutely hates Faith. Maybe it, by the fourth season of Angel, then they're kind of cool. But suddenly it seems like they'll characterize willow like she has always hated faith and it's just kind of a switch there was i mean like we said this is a transitional episode and i think that maybe there were a couple of steps in transition that were missed which might be what's throwing this episode off a little bit i think that's true it, they got to this point and they're like oh right we have to set up the end of the season now just some of it's a little bumpy because they didn't put the thought in early enough to make it smoother I don't know if I read it as Willow disliking Faith. I read it more as Willow disliking how Buffy was behaving around Faith and because of Faith. 
maybe flashing back to when she was bad. But also, I, I, yeah, I, feeling threatened in a friendship when you're that young. You, you try and act cool, and, and then you, know, you act different ways. But I, I do feel like a lot of her reaction there was, was worrying about Buffy's behavior more than anything. But Buffy and Faith go out hunting, and Faith totes asks Buffy out on a date. Afterwards, you want to go get some ribs? I mean, like, that is yeah. just flat yeah. out a date. Like, yeah. We could eat them in bed. Yeah. Even I would eat ribs in bed. Eating ribs in bed? Really? Yeah. They'd they'd get messy. <laughs> they'd get messy. They'd have to go. Off. They'd have to take a shower. Do you need to go to your bunk, Logan? <laughs> I'll be in my bunk, y'all. <laughs> But yeah, Faith has gone back for that big impractical longbow. <laughs> but it's cool. Which of course, so impractical. You fight in close quarters. Which I think is what Faith cares about sometimes. But we get a quick scene of Giles and Wesley together, and Wesley's kind of hammering that, you know, Giles is too close to Buffy. Yeah, we knew that already. Like, that's why he got fired. You know, they're going to get themselves mm-hmm. kidnapped that's- because that's what watchers do best. Uh. Or get knocked out, like getting kidnapped and getting knocked out. Those are the two things that watchers do best. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry, Giles. I love you, but like that's the that's the watcher bits of you. Then we get into the fight that between these knights of Balthazar. I guess they are. I don't know who these vampire guys are called. They might have had a name earlier, but I forgot it. They're the El Illuminati, aren't they? And we get into this close quarters fighting, and yeah, Faith is trying to string this bow and she's like i can't do it i do find that totally hilarious then we get to the crux of this episode honestly they were in the middle of a battle there were guys jumping out at them like it was a fucking video game and attacking them and (laughs) then just finch comes out and he grabs buffy everything that happened in this scene it's a total accident Faith was all wired up, just reacted. Any sort of spidey sense she would have had would have been all wonky because they were surrounded by vampires anyway. Yeah, I, it's an absolute accident. The issue is, of course, how Faith behaves afterwards. Eliza's face also is just the subtle shifts. And actually, Jack Plotnik's face, too. His, his He does a great death. Yeah. The surprise. The, the it, It's really... A good death is like what what all actors want, right? To have just like a really good death scene. Yeah, you can see it in her face. You can see, you can hear the regret in Faith's voice. Like she's immediately just like, "Oh my god, like what have I done?" And it, and I don't think it's about how am I going to make this better? How am I going to hide this body? Which is what she puts on later. But it is about the fact that she has taken a human life. Now, obviously, we've talked about this a lot in previous episodes that slayers have killed buffy has killed humans but this is the first time that it's become an actual issue it's an issue now because it has to be an issue and i'm sure we'll get into that more in consequences too definitely but i mean faith is actually when she's with the body you know she closes his eyes and everything maybe because she doesn't want you know him looking at her to you know kind of dehumanize him a little bit maybe there's a little bit of regret there trying to put him to rest i think it's both i think she is having a very human moment she's grieving not only for 
herself and what she's done, but for also for this collateral damage that she's accidentally created. And, and, but it's, yeah, it's definitely a twofer. The closing his eyes at respect, but also she's got to, as you said, dehumanize him so that she can do what she thinks needs to be done. And then we get Balthazar with the Watchers and, ah, Snarky Giles, Snarky Giles. And Wesley is such a wimp. Can you see how much they are setting up the show, Angel? Oh, yeah. Like, they gave Angel the hero entrance, where it's like, what is his name? His name is Angel. That's, like, the first time it's like they gave Angel the action hero moment. He's got his game face on and everything. And and then Giles has a sword, and he spins the sword, and Andy's ovaries exploded. Like, just full on. I no longer have ovaries because they're exploded. (laughs) It was hot. They really up Giles' badassery from now on to mm-hmm. contrast him with Wesley. And kind of after that, they're just like, okay, Giles is a badass now. This is just a thing. Like, he kind of sublimated all of that when he was a watcher because he's like, I can't be Ripper Absolutely. because I am a watcher. <clears throat> but now he's no longer a watcher. So he's like, okay, do you know what? I'm kind of going to be Ripper now. Like, not, I won't go full Ripper, <laughs> but I'll be like right. Ripper light. Absolutely. There's no question in my mind that he's just like, no, fuck it. I can do this. I'm I'm just going to do it. Angel takes a really long time to get killed. Angel, when Balthazar like pulls Angel to him and is like trying to crush his head. The last time that happened, he did that in a freaking minute, like a second. Like he just kills that guy. And meanwhile, Angel, he's like struggling with him. And I'm just like. So what? Is it just, like, plot armor that's protecting Angel from getting all smushed? Well, he doesn't get electrocuted either. Yeah, he doesn't get electrocuted either. No, we do find out if he had gotten electrocuted, it just would have caused his heart to beat, and then he would have kissed the girl that was nearest to him, because that's what happened when Angel gets electrocuted. (laughs) (laughs) So you're saying he might have kissed Balthazar? Stop! The trauma! The trauma! Also, Buffy... Is being very smart. Our smart Buffy, who's you mm-hmm. know, looking over her surroundings and being like, I can bring that down on this guy who's in this yep, tub of water. That's our smart Buffy. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, she's being like peak slayer Buffy. She's being resourceful. She- but Balthazar comes back for a moment to like give his warning. And if this was season seven, he would have said, from beneath you it devours. Because that's basically the speech <laughs> he gives. It- yeah, basically. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But now we're like, ooh, mm-hmm. what's coming? I don't, hmm, okay, what's happening? And immediately we go into the mayor, like, in the middle of this pentagram, like, praying, and there's all of this stuff going on. And this is the first time we've really seen the mayor, like, actively doing something. Like, we did see him, like, f- trying to feed Laconis, but he wasn't the one doing it. And this time he's doing a ritual. So it's like, okay, so what's happening? And Balthazar's demon guy's in a cage. Then the mayor tells him to open the cage and he slices through his head. And I wonder what would have happened if it hadn't worked. I mean, don't you want to like <laughs> ease into it? Like, I'll just nick myself a little bit, right? Yeah. Just stab yourself with a, with a letter opener or whatever he winds up, winds up getting stabbed mm-hmm. with later on. Yeah, I... Well, you know, as we've talked about, the mayor is very organized. He's got his plans in place. He's very certain about his preparation. Preparation. 
preparation. <laughs> it's the same issue I have with Supernatural whenever they're testing for shifters and stuff like that. And they put like this huge gash in their arm. And I was like, dude, you just need to like give yourself a light cut. You don't need to like hit veins. But yeah, it's it's dramatic. And actually, I think the scene of Mayor, the mayor getting his head split open and then it reforming is very cool. And Harry Grainer, as usual, just can switch because he goes really dark and really focused. And mm-hmm. then he's like, who's for root beer? Like, it just, he's yeah. so genius at just switching within those moments so quickly. It, it, it's genius. And I think we also mm-hmm. need to talk about his to-do list. Oh, yeah. The to-do list is the best to-do mm-hmm. list outside of Cap's, like, what should I watch in pop culture mm-hmm. list. Yes. His to-do list is Greet Scouts, which we saw, Plumber's Union Reschedule, Call Temp Agency, Become Invincible, Meeting with PTA, <clears throat> and Haircut. Now, I'm wondering, is his meeting with the PTA really that late at night? If he's now invincible, whatever that means, can he actually get a haircut? Yeah, because that's dead stuff. When he gets his head split open, is it reforms and his hair is perfect. The mayor is wonderfully merry, and then we get Buffy with Faith. And I love Buffy. I do. That coat. The wrong person. That coat. Mm-hmm. That coat. Yes. That coat is great. That, it's a great that coat. coat is great, but. Buffy is the wrong person to talk to Faith about this. Mm-hmm. Who's the right person? Giles, maybe? But... Giles is the only person who could talk to her about this. Like, because we will see in future episodes, Wesley is certainly the wrong person to talk to. And I think well, Buffy, yeah. Buffy takes things too personally because Buffy is projecting onto Faith. Buffy is, how would I react in this situation? And so she's feeling all of this guilt. Meanwhile, Giles has gone through this. Giles has caused the death of somebody before. Giles and Angel are basically the people that could probably talk to Faith about this. And we will see that Angel actually does contribute a lot to Faith's rehabilitation. But Buffy, yeah, yeah, internalizes it way too much. And I think it actually hurts Faith more than it helps. And, and Buffy has no real mm-hmm. plan of action, right? She's just like, what are we going to do? What, Like, does she want Faith to go to the cops? Obviously not. That's not how they handle this. And at this point, I'd be like Faith. I'd be like Faith now. Even grown up me would be like, no, we hide the fucking body. You know <laughs> what I mean? I'd be like, nope, nope. I don't, it doesn't even have to be like me being a slayer. I'm like, hide the fucking body. Well, I think this is why they had to go to Giles about it. Because, listen, we were in this situation. And obviously, we find out later on that this has happened to Slayers before. That, you know, casualties of war, basically. And we find out that Alan was involved in some dirty dealings with the mayor. Yeah, this is going to happen. It's just, it's all badly handled. And we will talk about it much more once we get to consequences so i will just say that you know i really wish that it hadn't been buffy to come to faith but obviously she's the only one that knows about the situation and an interesting thing of note that in the original end of this episode buffy went to talk to faith and found that she had hanged herself that's so wow. dark that was that's that's darker, dark darker, darker dark yeah that mm-hmm. ever needs to be I think that was the initial plan, probably before Eliza was cast, and they realized that they wanted to explore more of this Dark Slayer thing, and they wanted to keep Eliza around as kind of this mirror to Buffy, 
and certainly I think it's a more interesting storyline, though I would like the brick and morty portal gun just to see like how that turns out. I mean, they definitely do go that dark in the show, but at this point in the show, not in season three, they they have not they have not gone there yet. Yeah, that's um, wow, that's really surprising. That <laughs> I do have to wonder if that had happened, had they killed off Faith, would they have kept Mister Trick around to be like the dragon for the mayor the whole season? No, because they would need like some little bad. A lot of time, what happens in writers' rooms is they plot out. But before they even get to writing, they sort of maybe massage that a little further, you know, like they they planned it. But then within the first one or two episodes, they're like, yeah, we're not going with that. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of that stuff that can happen. If Mr. Trick was supposed to survive, if Faith was going to die, then part of me is just like, so Kendra died after two episodes and Faith gets to stay around for season after season. And you killed Mr. Trick. So that Faith could take over his place as the mayor's lackey. That's um, a lot of dead people of color. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Oh, are you saying that that's a problem, Bubby? It's the first I've heard of it. I yeah, know, weird. right? The fact that they're killing off people of color means that there were people of color in the first place, which is not that common. Let me get the <laughs> You Tried star. <laughs> I still want that portal gun so we can oh, see K. Todd Freeman and Spike. So I guess we're to the end of this episode. So final thoughts on bad girls. Talking about the bad, bad girls. They were bad, <laughs> bad girls. girls. Talking about them sad girls. Okay, I had to do a little Donna Summer there for y'all. It's fine. Mm-hmm. I started I it. Um, I found this episode a little boring. <laughs> Maybe it was my headspace yesterday. I don't know. But I was just like, that's transitional. There's a lot of really good acting. But overall, I'm like, eh, it's mm-hmm. an episode. It's an episode where things happen to push forward for further episodes. Yeah, it felt to me, it felt a little uneven as an episode. But there's a lot of, I mean, obviously momentous stuff going on here. It sets up everything that's to come, basically. It's an important episode. But not a great episode. It's not a bad episode. It's, it's just an episode. Mm, it feels just a little off. I tend to not watch this episode. The comedy aspect of it for me doesn't really outweigh the, I guess, yeah, that sort of boring tone. Even though it is such a pivotal episode, it feels kind of plodding. Does that make sense? Yeah. That's with D's instead of T's. But I, watching it with the critical eye that I'm watching with it now, instead of just a consumer of, of the media, it is really impressive how much emoting <laughs> is going on, but silently, just these these micro-expressions from a lot of these actors shows mm-hmm. how talented they are, but also how they're coming into their own as actors. So that's yeah, what I like I most about it. I agree. It. I tend to watch this episode because actually if I do a complete rewatch, it's very rare for me to skip episodes unless they're super bad. And (laughs) this episode, I mean, it gives me all of the fem slash feels. This is the the episode that launched a thousand fix. But yeah, I mean, it is a very transitional episode. I might feel differently about it had we watched Consequences right after if we had done like the two-parter. 
but yeah this is it's it's transition and there's you, it kind of ends right when we get to the interesting part and you kind of realize mm-hmm. oh so this was all just kind of build up for the next one some trivia for this episode in an early draft of this episode willow's middle name was revealed and it's danielle which yeah i don't know doesn't sound right to you you know immediate reaction is that's not a very jewish name yeah is willow a super jewish name not particularly but eh. Her parents are going to hate the academics. But but of course, at the same time, then as soon as I think that, I keep remembering. Like, I, this happens to me with Danielle all the time. And like, not a very Jewish name. And then I realize, oh, yeah, my cousin's name. <laughs> and it's like, you know, so, so I mean, maybe, but. Of eh, course, since it was not know. actually in the episode, it's not canon. It is not. It is not yeah. canon. So I, I chose to ignore yes. it. Yes. But it is a nice bit of trivia. And mm-hmm. uh, the song... Buffy and Faith dance to at the bronze is Chinese Burn by Curve. And there are some foreign titles for this episode. Uh, the, I believe it's the Spanish title. Uh, it doesn't actually say like what country it's from, but it's El Eliminati. Mm-hmm. And the German title is The New Watcher. Oh, <laughs> that's so far I know, away from right? what this episode is about. I know, right? <laughs> What do you mean? It's all about Wesley. A lot of times the foreign titles seem to pick like some really random thing that I yeah. like I don't understand why you choose to focus on this. So that is bad girls and certainly things we have talked about in this episode we will get more into in the next episode which is consequences which Spoiler, spoiler, deals with the consequences of this episode. Really? I didn't know that's what it was about. <gasps> yes. I know, right? Titles mean something, apparently. Oh, no. <laughs> Anyways, until then, grr, arg. Bad girls, talking about the bad girls. Grr, arg. Grr, arg. I'd like to thank everyone who downloaded the podcast and an extra special thanks to everyone who shared, liked, and subscribed on social media. If you'd like your questions or comments read on the show, you can contact us on our website, returntothehellmouth.com, on YouTube, Tumblr, and Facebook at Return to the Hellmouth, on Twitter at Hellmouth Return, or on email at returntothehellmouth at gmail.com. We'll be sure to read your comments on the show. Be sure to rate our show at iTunes and Stitcher, and check out our show merchandise on TeePublic and Redbubble. See you on Tuesday. Grr. Arg.